Name's Bond. James Bond. What do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Grow up, double <laughs> This never happened to the other fellow. I'm the money. Every penny of it. So you put your money where your mouth is. It's quite a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I approve. I'll do anything for a woman with a knife. And any fool with a dinner bucket! Kill Bond, now! To the right! To the right! To the right! Shocking, positively shocking. You get your clothes on, I'll buy you a nice trade. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Double Oz 7. As we close out 2015, we're with 20 of our recaps and a few of the spin-off episodes and take a quick break before we get to Casino Royale to bring you a few special episodes, uh, kind of a best of compilation. And whether you've heard the show before and uh, you're just going to be listening through to some of our funnier moments here again or whether you've never heard the show before, this would be a good place to start just to give you a basic idea, condensed idea, not have to sit through three and a half hours of Ben talking about Ty another day, but uh, this one will be covering the decade of the 60s, Dr. No from Russia with Love, Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, and Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And uh, we have a lot of serious conversations here on the show, and we uh, cover a lot of in-depth uh, trivia and discussion about the James Bond movies and our love for James Bond. But for these episodes, we just wanted to put together uh, kind of a compilation of the moments that made us laugh, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. So... For the next hour or so, sit back and enjoy our discussions of Dr. No through to Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Underneath the mango tree, underneath the mango tree. This is, again, great introduction. I'll say of all the character introductions outside of Bond in this movie, the introduction of Quarrel has to be the best. Uh, Bond goes to his boat. He starts questioning him. Quarrel's all suspicious. They get into a fight, like, and then they're okay right afterwards. It's like, sorry, I almost stabbed you there, Bond. It's like, oh, it's all right. Like, this was such a great introduction. And I know Quarrel. There's going to be some opinions on, you know, his character and maybe being offensive. But like, Quarrel was such a fun character. I like my favorite line of the whole bit is when he's like going up to him and introducing him, and he's like, I can't remember what Bond says, but then Quarrel's like, I like people who are friends with people. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the hell is like, that? Other kinds, <laughs> as opposed to like loners or <laughs> you're not friends with people. No, I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> and we also get the the first great Bond name for like, these are usually reserved for the Bond girls, but. Pussfella? <laughs> Quarrel and Pussfella. Anything to get it into the film. Yeah. <laughs> we should be doing a separate puss count. <laughs> well, I've written in my notes uh, that that's the first mango tree uh, in yeah, the background. Yeah, I have the yes. same thing. Um, but yeah, I, I love Quarrel. One of my favourite Bond allies ever. He's just so likeable. Quarrel, the, he's amazing. The question I have to pose there, Quarrel keeps saying Captain. I mean, is that... Does, does he know he's a captain, or is that just kind of like the the treatment of certain? Like, is that I I, I actually legitimately want to know how, why is he calling James Bond a captain? Yeah, at that well, point? Bond's a commander, not a captain. So, but like, is yeah. that is that just kind of because of his position and the era it was that sort of quarrels? Captain, they just call people captain. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a racial thing, like a yeah racist oh. undertones. That's what I was trying to imply there. Like, is that what it was? Like, yeah. 
Well, what what is it with you racist Australians and your mates? I mean, are you <laughs> trying to get it on with everybody you meet? What are you saying, mate? <laughs> I think um, Quarrel is more of a captain than Bond, though. He has his own boat. He has his own boat. boat. <laughs> <laughs> James Bond doesn't have his own boat. Well, he probably yeah. does, but yeah. <laughs> I love Quarrel. Quarrel is, I mean, I would rank Quarrel in all of Bond's helpers, sidekicks, um, Man, racist, racially undertone man's ter- servants, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Quarrel is right in my top five. I mean, yeah. he's such a good character, and the actor, voiced by Nikki Vanderzil, uh, <laughs> played it with so much personality. Like, you don't get this even out of M for a couple movies, like, as much personality as Quarrel yeah. had in this. I just love every scene Quarrel's in, he just makes better. The sad thing about um, John Kitzmiller played Quarrel. He actually died only three yeah, years after. Um, yeah. Dr. No, he died of a liver ailment. Yeah, it's terrible. He actually did one more movie after this. But um, I love the quote. Um, oh, sorry, were you going to say No, 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 you go. Please go. Oh, maybe you... Uh, sorry, I cut out for a second. You may have said it, but uh, Quarrel's... In, are you Quarrel? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you or not? <laughs> Do I need to talk to that guy well, down actually, the road, or that, are you quarrel? Well, that reminds me, actually, I did bring it up, sort of jumping back a little bit, when um, Jay's, when Bond's getting into the car from the guy at Government House, well, the, the alleged guy, and he's just like, are you Jay's Bond? Jay's Bond's just like, yes. Like, what sort of spy is he? Like, he's got his name out there, and he's just, yes, I'm Jay's Bond, yes. the spy. I mean, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think quarrel was better. Be better spy than yes. <laughs> the name's Quarrel. <laughs> I love it when the boat shows up and there's Jamaican guys on there, but they sound very American. We're coming yeah, to get you. Not only is it American, but again, I have to point out something that I've always noticed about this that always bothers me. The guy speaking into the megaphone, he's like, all right, you're not coming out. We'll come back with the dog. Yeah. He's <laughs> playing the worst ever. And he's still amplified. Full speed ahead. Like, at the end of the day, right, you're like, come out, or we will be nice. All right, we'll shoot you. And then you're assuming they're still alive by saying we'll come back later. You, mate, you probably just killed them if that's what you're there to do, you idiot. Yeah. We'll get the dogs. I mean, see ya. <laughs> what dogs? We don't have dogs. We know that uh, uh, these guys weren't... <laughs> dubbed by Nicky Vanderzil, but there's some amazing guy that can throw his voice like it's a megaphone, whether he's speaking into one or not. I just want this guy to speak every (laughs) Did he go back to to the the underground lair or whatever, and Dr. No is like, well, did you kill him? And there's this big amplified, he's like, no, sir! (laughs) But we'll send the dogs out! Oh, that's okay. And, like, how, like, if they know they're legitimately there at that point in time, why aren't they getting off the boat to chase art? Like, what? How lazy are they? Oh, hang on a minute. They're willing to trek through the river later on, risking leeches or whatever else, but step out of the boat and just take a peek over, like, the sand. They've never got a chance to use the dogs, and they're really excited to try the dogs out. We just got these dogs. They're brand new. And not only a Dr. Nose Henchman's ridiculous, so are his dogs. They can't even smell properly. <laughs> <laughs> he can't even get good. Jamaica's well known for their bad dogs. <laughs> yeah. 
I just like the idea that they were just waiting to try out those dogs. Like, there's an edited scene or there's an unedited scene of this somewhere where the guy's like, it's like, all right, we're coming off the boat now in his echo voice. And then there's another guy, but couldn't we use the dogs? Like, it's a waste of time. No, I wanted to try the dog. (laughs) And surely the dogs were quite nearby because they said, all right, we'll go and get the dogs. And then, like, literally, they hadn't gotten far and the dogs are there and they're on the land. (laughs) That's the thing. the dog's in another boat just nearby. (laughs) But, like, if they know they're on that beach, they've had to go back, park, get off, get the dogs, go back to where they think they will be trekking to. (laughs) I'm sure it's a fairly big location, so they automatically know they'll only take the one route, the, you know, the secret route, apparently, that they're taking, but they know where that is. So wouldn't, at the time, be prepared, show up with your high-speed boat, with your dogs, go on the beach at the one time when they're in an easier location to track, and there you go, you've killed them. (laughs) They could have got off Crab Key by that point. You know what dogs always have with their tongue sticking out the window when they're in a car? They don't even to stick their head out the window. They love boat rides. Take the dogs. <laughs> the whole situation where the dragon's coming towards them, this reminded me of the third... I think it's the third Jaws movie where you've got that shark swimming towards the thing. And they're all just screaming, and it's going so slow, and yet this old time Bond just says shooting. At, he could have like walked around this dragon, climbed up to it, and shot them in the head. Like it's coming at them so, and somehow Quarrel still dies. Yeah, well, not so much. Bond is shooting out the headlights on this thing, what so they won't spot him. Those are like forty watt bulbs. What are they going to see with that? I remember being very upset by this Quarrel bit. Oh, Quarrel. Especially later on, knowing that he appeared in several books, and then, of course, they ended up having to write around that later on. But well, yeah, it really ben, does suck for Corey. Ben kind of mentioned it off there that Bond just does not care at all about Quarrel. <laughs> like, but in the book, he's actually his friend, and it actually affects him quite a bit because he's appeared in previous books. So. I really wish they focused more on that with Quarrel's death. The, the worst part is the whole time when they're getting, like, you know, put your hands up and they're getting the handcuffs on, you hear this burning in the background, and you know that's Quarrel's body burning slowly to death. Like, there's nothing else burning except Quarrel's charcoal remains. Like, I feel so sorry for him because, like... <laughs> it's just this sound of him dying. And Quarrel never wanted to come there in the first place because of the dragon. And everybody yes. laughed at him. Felix was like, sure, dragons, Quarrel. Bond's like, no, there's no such thing as dragons. What happens? Quarrel gets eaten by a dragon, okay? The man was right. Like, he didn't and deserve this, this. This will go on to become a Bondian trope of the ally getting killed about two-thirds into the film. Yes, tip to any future Bond allies, don't be one. As soon as Bond finds a girl, like, his sidekick's screwed. They're dead. He's well, not going to do anything to stop that. Well, death. they're screwed and then they're dead, so... <laughs> True. But it's not It's not all over, because we have Quarrel Jr. coming up in about ten films' time or so. So, yeah. look forward to that. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but, yeah, you mentioned it there. He goes, I work for Spectre. And I love, I love, I just, I love what it stands for. Special Executive for Counterintelligence, Terrorism, Revenge, and Extortion. Like, I love how revenge <laughs> is in the title. Like, you know, oh, we're not evil, but you've got terrorism, well, well, revenge, and extortion in your name. 
Bond comments on that when Dr. No tries to recruit him into yeah. Spectre. He says, I'll, I'll work for the Revenge Department. <laughs> Maybe I could be in the Revenge Department, <laughs> Dr. But, no. <laughs> but it's just such like a, you know, who comes up with that, like these evil guys around a table? Well, we're all about revenge, guys, so we should probably put that in. Oh, that's a good idea, Larry. We'll put that in the title. <laughs> Extortion, we could do that too. <laughs> so let's imagine, they're like, what's number one on the evil itinerary of the day? Well, we have extortion. Can we work that into our evil name? So this, this, this is what's wrong with ISIS. Like, there's no revenge and terrorism in their names. They're trying to be all proper, like, oh, we're Islamic State. No, just say what you are, guys. You, you've got revenge in plans and put R in your name. Is this is this Doctor No's fault in 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 the making? We see that everyone he meets, he just wants to recruit to speak. Is that why he has so u- many useless people? Because everyone he meets, he joined us. Oh, Doctor exactly. No, what do you do? Oh, well, I want to recruit you, random person. <laughs> He's just a recruiter. But yeah, Byron Lee of the Dragonairs will be his new number two by the end of this. <laughs> From Russia with love. So I had never put that together that um, that maybe it was done to introduce Bond a little bit earlier, but it is interesting because this is, again is something we talked about. I think it was well one of the last episodes that um, this is kind of normal now for movies for a lot of movies to do this pre-title scene or something to introduce the character and we definitely see a lot on tv but at the time this came out i don't know if many people had ever done this before uh and i think the surprise still holds up i remember seeing this for the first time and just sort of like scratching my head like what's going on here what's gonna happen now it throws you straight into it doesn't it because you're kind of automatically thinking like oh james bond's on a mission mission. what's going to happen here and i i just I think it was fascinating, but I'll tell you one thing, Spectre really are living up to the R in their name, aren't they? They really fucking want revenge on this guy. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Bob I, I said he's working the revenge department, well. so <laughs> they're really pushing for that angle. I always but, found the, the moment where the curtain pulls back too. I mean, so they shoot Bond and all of a sudden the curtain pulls back and you see all these people there. I'm always expecting it to just be like this big crowd of people like, happy birthday! <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, James is dead. I'm just really convinced that uh, Rosa Claire, Greg Grant, none of that is their real faces because yes. Spectre is <laughs> damn well good at making masks. How good is that mask? Like, I didn't... You were talking about birthdays. They should invest in the birthday business. The 19th 1960s of technology, well, they're very much ahead of their time. It does make me wonder why Rosa Klebb doesn't have a better disguise in the final season. Well, I think, uh, didn't Blofeld also even use a Professor Dent mask in this movie? Um, Is he wearing a wig? I mean, is he bald or is he just like, does he shave his head at some point? (laughs) Yeah, no, I think he's in Professor Dent uh, makeup, but we'll get to that in a second, but yeah, both damn good masks and poor, poor moustache guy. Like, um, <laughs> who was he? 
He was just, um, you know, somebody who wasn't, well, he stole someone's sandwich in the lunchroom. I think he's just like all of us. He wants to be James Bond, and they they called for volunteers, and he pretty but, he didn't know what he was getting into. How do they volunteer? Like, how does Spectre, like, choose that person? Like, okay, guys, we're going to go do a training exercise. Here's a mask for you to wear, Mr. Mustache. Um, we all, we'll just say we're not using live ammunition, um, but, um, well, we might. We'll surprise you. Okay, off you pop, go in the maze. You know what it was? They they only gave them two options. They're like, okay, you could be in a Bond mask and (laughs) shot, or you could be the guy on the other end of the flamethrower training exercise. (laughs) (laughs) Mustache could catch fire. I think I'll wear the mask. Or you have to massage Red Grant's back. Um, Your choice. (laughs) Yeah, um... Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was his big break in the movie industry. I don't know who it was, but... <laughs> I was impressed with... Uh, I think that was Nicky Vanderzeel, but we won't get into that. <laughs> um, Voiced by Nicky Vanderzeel. <laughs> no, I, I was really impressed with Spectre's plan in this film, but I'm not sure about this one, because just because he looks like James Bond, does that mean it's going to be the same way he acts and that Red Grant's going to be able to catch him just because he caught a guy who looks like him? Is it also in backwards order? Because Red Grant hasn't even received his mission about Bond yet, so it's just something he does in his spare time. You must hate a guy that looks like this in the future. The theme bit that they use there, and, and I think kind of, you know, we joke about the concert that we saw Noah about Mary. I don't know if we've discussed <laughs> that on Double or Seven. Noah and I went and saw, um, what was her name? Mary something? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Noah and I went and saw a, a concert with an English singer, Mary something, because she's well known for her renditions of James Bond themes. Good night. It was actually quite a good night with the Tasmanian Symphony Orchestra. <laughs> and they, they, they... I was saying Mary, good night. I said oh. the <laughs> Well, well, it was a good night, though. Well, it was. It was. I, I, we had a, we had a nice meal beforehand. It was a very nice mandate. But uh, it was a good night. The the, the theme. Not good head. <laughs> Noah, that was later. We said we wouldn't talk about that. Next scene is also one of my favourites of the film. Like it continues to deliver, and it is when Karen Bay has to kill Krillin. I can never say this guy's name. Krilenku. Krilen- Krilen- what is it? Krilenku. Krilenku. The Bulgarian assassin. Yeah. <laughs> he, he kills for fun. We'll just say that. Um, he kills for fun. It's like a song. <laughs> he kills for Krilenko. fun. He kills for fun. Krilenku. Bulgarian assassin for 20 years. <laughs> Underneath the Krilenko tree, he kills for fun. <laughs> yes, jump up, uh, jump up, <laughs> <laughs> Jump up, jump up, Krilenko. Three dead Krilenko in a casket. I don't think anyone ever thought Krilenko from 1963 from Russia with Love would ever get his own theme song. <laughs> <laughs> We're breaking new ground here. Um, I love this scene, and this is the first case of the... Uh, that was not meant to be a pun. The first case of the attaché case coming into play with Bond sniper rifle... And I love that Karen wants to shoot him instead. And you've got the big poster. It just The setting of it is just amazing. One of my favourite scenes. 
And of course, he's got his arm in a sling and sort of just harking back to the, the gypsy fight when he got um, shot and the quite clear usage of a blood packet that he squashes <laughs> against his arm. Like, go back and rewatch that scene. It is hilarious, like, how much he squashes it. <laughs> but, um, so much yeah. atmosphere, sorry, um, in this with Kalenku sneaking out, thinking yeah. it's fine, and it's all nighttime. It's probably, I don't know, two in the morning, three in the morning. There's a fog, and it's just, I love it. Yeah, and I, I love, and of course you got to love the pun. Uh, <laughs> she should have kept her mouth shut. <laughs> there's also a very questionable moment here when they have to hold off for a second because there's two police officers that very slowly walk past, and maybe about five seconds after they leave view is when they pull the trigger and you hear the most exaggerated scream ever. Like, ah! like it's, the it's almost the Wilhelm. Yeah. So why are those police officers horrible. not coming back when they hear this scream in a shot? <laughs> It's because they're Karen's sons. <laughs> oh, they're my sons. <laughs> Everyone in Turkey is. <laughs> but uh, am I the only one who thinks this is one of the best scenes at the movie, just the way it's shot and everything about it? I, I, it's, it's, yeah, again, the atmosphere and everything is great. And you know I love my fog. So, um... Yeah. <laughs> and... Yeah. Fog and uh, uh, gypsies make everything better. Uh, you put the two of them together, and there you have a winning movie. That's that, that's that's Krolenko's like the second verse of his theme song. Fucking gypsies <laughs> with Krolenko together, it's even better. Krolenko kills for fun. <laughs> what you gonna do without Krolenko? Who you gotta call Krolenko? <laughs> I don't know why Bond's breakfast. Green figs. figs what are and, green figs? Well, they're figs, <laughs> but they're green. <laughs> they're not ripe yet. <laughs> Thanks, that, Noah. Green figs and yogurt. But is this a plot a plot hole? And of course, I'm going to pick up on it because it's about coffee, and that's the only plot holes I'm ever going to pick up on is the coffee plot holes. Uh, not plot hole, a mistake. He orders green figs and yogurt and a very black coffee. But earlier in the film yes. with Karen Bay, he has medium sweet. Yes. Karen says two medium sweet. So was he just... I wrote uh, that down too. I was yeah, thought, yeah. I pick up on the, the coffee inconsistency. So is this a production screw-up or does Bond have different types of coffee at different just times? Like, like, I don't know. Maybe he just likes different coffees. Like he likes his alcohol the same. But when it comes to, to coffee, like, he's an experimenter. Like, he likes to experiment, you know? Oh, a coffee. Very yeah. black or medium sweet. I don't mind. Uh, again, also, coming out of the books, Noah, you'll know this. I mean, Bond's diet is talked about a lot. And I'm yeah. pretty sure it was in Thunderball where he has a disdain for yogurt. So why they decided to include this in here, it's like... Bond's diet is basically like, you know, eggs and bacon and toast, and that's all he eats for like all three meals. So why is he ordering yogurt and green figs? Like, it doesn't I, seem like it fits him. I love, I'm currently reading Thunderball, and I love that there's like 60 pages dedicated to Bond's diet and exercise. Yeah. Well, that explains why there's been in the first two films so much emphasis on Bond being hungry. <laughs> all he eats is green figs and yogurt. But, yeah, that would make I would anyone be hungry, hungry if I only had green figs and yogurt. That would make an Ethiopian hungry. Like, they wouldn't even live for that sort of stuff. Is it even flavoured yogurt or just plain? <laughs> well, yogurt's very generic, isn't it? Like, <laughs> now, can you yeah. elaborate a little bit more, Mr. Bond? Like, like and I said, yogurt. Coffee. 
what does he order for dinner? Like stick of celery, sour cream, <laughs> <laughs> and sauce. <laughs> I feel like Colin. Am I wrong? But I feel like he always has one sugar in his coffee in the book. Uh, I don't even remember. Um, <laughs> I feel like we should probably move on since so we've had a five-minute... Talking of about the important <laughs> stuff on Double on Seven. Kuleku! Interesting tidbit with the filming of this, too. Um, the rat scene, where, that we saw the rats... Three kind of like running blind the... rats. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think we kind of saw James Bond's second kryptonite with spiders. Rats, because he didn't really seem... Quick, we must go the other way. It's like, dude, they're just rats. Like, um, But um, apparently in filming... <laughs> Damn, they're not spiders. Why um, do you have to be the rat? <laughs> well, that they... is Henry Jones' fear, isn't it? Isn't it weird to yeah, see Sean Connery thing, yeah. in a sewer with the rats? Mm. Makes him a bit of a wimp come Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> they um they got lab rats coated with chocolate to make them look like sewer rats, but apparently <laughs> the rats wouldn't stop licking themselves. <laughs> so they then got some other rats, but they wouldn't run in the right direction. So they actually had to go to Madrid just to film a scene. Of, they had to go to fucking Spain. Like, can you imagine all these lab rats coated in chocolate? All right, and... Action! And they're just and sitting around how, licking themselves. How wired were those rats after eating that <laughs> chocolate? I want that as a deleted scene. Like, Although, this way, this way. To, oh, there's rats licking themselves. I'm more impressed <laughs> that they waited until the action call to start doing anything. What were they doing before that? Just waiting around, looking at their clock? Well, um, I, what, this isn't like the movie is... Now we could say, okay, well, it's in high definition. You're going to notice. But <laughs> 1963 film... Do rats look particularly clean on film? Where, like, where there were people who go like, those aren't sewer rats. Look at how clean they are. Mildred! Very milk block doing on that rat. <laughs> Mildred, what are you eating a chock top for? That looks like the rat I'm watching right now. <laughs> Yes. Um, one thing I want to quickly point out, I don't know if anybody else picked it up, but when they're running to the train and um, Bond turns to, to Tanya and says, what's the matter? That sounded so overdone because that sounded American like that. I, if you go back and watch that just one little quick moment, because I had to sort of rewind it to watch it again, because I swear they've overdubbed that with an American, what's the matter? <laughs> it was Nicky. Yes! Mickey, what's the matter? <laughs> that was Mickey. Not Mickey, that was Mickey Mouse. Just <laughs> what's the matter, Tanya? <laughs> Mickey was very big in the 1960s. <laughs> Did you try and eat one of those rats? <laughs> Where's my <that> chocolate? <laughs> chocolate? <laughs> I just want to comment really quickly on the beginning of the scene. Bond did when uh, Grant slipped Tanya the roofie or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> Bond did notice that. And he, calls him on. <laughs> he calls him on and as soon as they get in the room, it's like, what was that thing you put in the drink or whatever? But he still immediately is able to pull Bond back around. It, he has this very plausible excuse where he's like, uh, you don't expect that we're just going to trust her just like that because, you know, she she brought you a typewriter, right? And Bond is immediately like, oh, okay, I guess it makes sense. And he's going along with Nash again right before he hits him. I mean, Nash is, if if Professor Dent is the most inept henchman ever, Nash is far the smartest. <laughs> yeah, Red. Yes. Yes. You said Nash. <laughs> 
Oh, well, yes. As Nash. Great. <laughs> Jeez, as Red as really is doing a convincing job as Nash. <laughs> <laughs> um, we cannot skip over this fight scene. Uh, we kind of had a few props from... Well, pro- not props, gadgets from the attaché case. This is really full blast here. You've got the steam going off. You've got the sovereigns. You've got everything. This fight scene is amazing. It's great. And just a quick note, I, I love the, um, you know, leave the girl there. Or exhaustion, I would say. Like, you know, just, oh, whatever. You know, she's she's drugged. Let's, let's take our turns. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, the fight scene's great. And then we this is sort of our real first, oh, Bond's in the shit, isn't he? He's, you know, he's down on his knees. How's he going to escape? Oh, wait, well, there's that gadget that we saw at the first part of the movie. Yeah, um, that will and, become a trope. And Nash loves his sovereigns. Like, fuck, <laughs> he gets... <laughs> he gets... He gets moist. He is the best actor ever. I Everyone know, right? He's Nash. I just... David, like, tricks him into getting those sovereigns out like a motherfucker. I can't like, believe he grabbed Mrs. Somerset. Um, I know, on. right? She's such... Like, she loves her magic. Um, she wants children. She wants a boy. She wants to have a tea. But, um, yeah, like, I, th- yeah, absolutely love Red Nash. But, like, the thing that's a good point with the painting, though, because she dies of um, epidermal suffocation, um, but... For her to die, she would have to be covered in that paint for quite some time. So, how does she voluntarily, like... Bond was out for a week. Yeah, like, yeah. Does odd job knock Bond out? She wakes up and she's all like, ah! Oh, and he's like, Based on ah, how bad in gold. Texas, this film is, weren't you expecting Bond to go, hmm, she won't fight back? <laughs> like, that's how bad this Bond turns into a necrophiliac rapist. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, also, again, like Ben's not the only one who's very concerned with Dink because <laughs> the second that Bond's on the phone with Felix and he's like, "The girl's dead," <laughs> Felix is like, with the most excited voice ever, Dink. <laughs> Bond, Bond introduces Felix. Say hello to Dink. That's his only interaction. He's like, Dink, not Dink. I would love it if um, Dink was in the shot with Felix, so he's like, Dink? What? <laughs> Dink's just there giving him a massage. Dink, no, D- Dink's thing? head like emerges from his lap. What? Yeah. <laughs> but does oh, Felix, Felix know who the girl is? Like, the, yeah, he yeah, was, Find someone oh, your geez. own age, Felix. The girl's dead. Which one? <laughs> but why, why is Bond just saying the girl's dead? Because you're right. Felix doesn't know who the girl is. Of course he yeah, thinks well, it's Dink. <laughs> Bond turned down Felix in the once again because he was with Jill. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a funny scene. Yes, they should have had an Easter egg, and they should have had when they had that big pan out shot, have a girl in a bikini with a knife um, on the street going, "Do you want to buy my shells?" <laughs> and have Honey Rider because she sold out of Miami. So that would have been a good Easter and, egg if they got. And that's in. the that's the girl that Felix thinks that he's with the girl. <laughs> Honey? Honey? <laughs> I just saw on the street corner. 
<laughs> she was selling shit. Singing underneath the mango dollars. tree. <laughs> and all, all we needed, though, to make this scene completely Miami-esque is to have uh, David Caruso walk in, look at the gold-painted body, remove his glasses and go, <laughs> I think she was gold dead. Yeah! <laughs> what a golden death. <laughs> she won't be taking the silver medal. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah. Alright, that's my <laughs> Yeah, he's done. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, alright, yeah, so iconic scene to another iconic scene. James Bond wakes up. We get a lovely, beautiful woman staring at us who we've all seen from the Avengers, the one about the spies, <laughs> not the um not the superheroes. <laughs> who are you? My name is Pussy Galore. I must be dreaming. Um <laughs> Which, <laughs> like, like, hilarious. Like, think about that in the context of your life. If you were... Her name is Pussy Galore. Exactly. If you wake up and you've got a woman in front of you, who are you? I'm Pussy Galore. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> is, is this another case of her... Um, where her name goes with what she likes, or like Goldfinger, <laughs> well, again, or what? Goldfinger's renamed her. Just <laughs> <laughs> he renames everyone. I'll call you Pushy Galore. You've got a lot of vagina. Uh, <laughs> so, but it's like I mean, we're going to talk about this a lot from this point on. But every time Connery says Pushy, <laughs> yes, he says it so cheeky and obviously. It's like, come on, Connery. <laughs> He's like, we know what you're doing. He's on the verge of cracking up laughing. But uh, Come on, pussy. One thing i quickly say in the trivia that I um, I think it's important to mention here, that in the script originally, it was written for Connery to actually say, well, I know you are, but what's your name? Um, <laughs> and they thought it was too suggestive. So, they thought that was too suggestive <laughs> after they named her Pussy Galore? <laughs> And this is in the 60s, ladies and gentlemen. This is in the 60s. Mildred, block your ears. <laughs> oh, the we like you credited Connery for how he's kind of having fun throughout this entire movie. And even just his response, like the way that you, you didn't say the response any way the way Connery no, did, but it no, doesn't matter. If you know this scene, you can still get a laugh out of his, my name is Pussy Galore. Just the line. I must be dreaming. Like, this is such a great response. <laughs> After he's just waken up from almost dying. Glad <laughs> to see humans still in. Big smile on his face. He's like, my name is Pussy Galore. And all of a sudden, the last thing he remembered was a laser coming to his crotch. He's like, I must be dreaming. <laughs> he should have said, am I in heaven or something? He thought he died or something. Well, is he that said, James he... Bond's version of heaven? Well, he said, I thought I'd wake up dead, which I still baffled as how you would think you would wake up dead. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, this scene is just fantastic. And again, I apologise for the hurricane outside. Um, Something a cut. <laughs> yeah, um... That is rain! Wow! wow. <laughs> Just quickly, that is like a full-on storm! Uh, it really is, and I think the roof is going to blow off <laughs> of the shed. I think we might. Let, let's cut quickly here and play a little bit of Die Another Day and we'll come back into this. <laughs>
Yeah, there we go. Love that song. Great moment. Let's go back into Noah talking about pussy. <laughs> if this was a Roger Moore film, Connery wouldn't have replied, but I must be dreaming. He would have said, named after your mother, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> But like, if if that's legitimately her name, like, um, so who introduces herself as their full name? But can you imagine her parents, like, uh, Mister and Mrs. Galore? <laughs> what are you going to call your daughter? <laughs> oh, I don't know, Pussy, <laughs> Mildred and Gaffer Galore. Let's be my daughter, Pussy. What's their son called? Dick Galore, like. <laughs> Dink is their other daughter. <laughs> my name is Richard Galore. <laughs> oh my goodness. I found the, uh, the quick one here on the Goldfinger name, actually. I know we're kind of backtracking a little bit, but I found this fascinating. Um, Ian Fleming uh, based the title character on controversial modern artist Erno Goldfinger, who actually learnt that he was going to have his name used as a villain. So he threatened to sue, um, and the lawsuit went against Fleming's publisher in order to st- stop the publication. Fleming then came out to inquire... Uh, no, sorry, Fleming's publisher came out then to inquire whether Fleming might consider renaming the character, and then Fleming came out and said he'd be delighted to and changed the name of the novel to Gold Prick. And... <laughs> <laughs> So Fleming's publisher quickly settled the architect's lawsuit out of court. (laughs) I just thought that was noteworthy. If that's true, that is hilarious. (laughs) The mobster scene here. Can we jump into that? Oh, please, yes. Yes, I just want to... I'll let you talk mainly here, Colin, but it's a great scene. And this is like the one scene where it's kind of unintentionally funny, I think. <laughs> it starts out with the great shot of one of these really scary mobsters riding backwards on a fake horse seat. <laughs> yeah, look at me! <laughs> <laughs> They're terrified of everything that's moving in this room. And he... <laughs> Yeah, I, oh, I had to write down so many of these lines because... You know it was all dubbed in later on. They were like, we need this to sound like they're more scared. So some of these lines are like, uh, wh- uh, what's with that trick pool table? You just hear in the background. What's that map doing there? Turn those lights back on. <laughs> what are you trying to pull, Goldfinger? What's that map doing there? What is this, a merry-go-round? <laughs> yeah, that's the merry-go-round. That made me crack. I like it when he's talking about going to Fort Knox. You got a key or something? <laughs> and I love like, uh, like, when they're talking about the plan and you just. Banks don't open on Sundays. <laughs> There's also another guy who's like, what's going on in here? I don't like this. <laughs> They're the worst mafia ever. <laughs> and it was the one who doesn't like Chicago for some reason. I don't do business with Chicago. Yeah, it's a, it, it reminded me of Anchorman. Cause it's like you've got the different seg- uh, uh, sectors of it, like the different types of mob- mobsters all coming together to fight. <laughs> But they managed to do it. Uh, you were mentioning before about Miley bringing the quickest cocktail ever. When Bond gets his mint tulip uh, <laughs> with some ice and not too sweet, um, that was the quickest making of a drink ever. Like, where <laughs> fucking Kentucky, they can make their drinks quickly. Like, wish KFC got your orders there that quickly. Like, Jesus. 
Um, we, I didn't order this, Crusher. And I'll just really quickly, backing well back up, uh, I can't remember exactly what point, but we didn't mention that we got a martini shake and not stirred. But anyway. Yeah, <laughs> we well, I, I also <laughs> want to say we need to start a new count on here because we talked a lot about Nikki Vanderzil, but I never expected to hear so many times out of Ben's mouth talking about Miley for another second. <laughs> I think that's the fourth time we've recalled to Miley. She's been out of the movie for 20 minutes already. <laughs> well, her and Dink. <laughs> Miley and Dink show. That's a spin-off. Miley and Dink going out on the town. <laughs> what will these girls get up to this week? She gives massages. She makes cocktails. Miley and Dink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Miley and Dink is filmed in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> Miley, you're late. <laughs> I was making cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> So he strikes like thunder. I just love the fact that when he punches, you know, the woman, that probably all the audiences were like, oh, yes, well, she had that coming. She didn't make him a sandwich. Like, I mean, at the time, like, that was just fine. Uh, whereas now you watch it like, oh, domestic violence, James Bond. As if you're talking for the 60s audience. <laughs> well, we've got to put it into context. We're, we're sort of at the time we're at, folks. Like, um, My biggest question is, is why does Jacques Bouvet, or whatever his name is, go? to his own funeral when he probably knows that James Bond's got it. Like, wouldn't you just be off, like, on a plane somewhere? Like, well, I think that's why he did go, though. <laughs> what, to make sure that James was there to take him on? Well, to kill Bond. Well, well could, couldn't he just turn around and shoot him up in the, the wings rather than, oh, I'll wait till he follows me back to my mansion and break these million-dollar the antiques? Then? Like, who died then? Wait, <laughs> Dr. No. You guys are glossing over something big here. Why is he going to his own funeral as his own widow? Like, these are people who know him. He's probably got his mother there. It's like, I didn't realize he was married. Nice to meet you. Where's his widow? You two have matching beards. I didn't realize that. Maybe the widow's in the casket. (laughs) That's a good point, though, Colin. Like, you know, he's grieving mother-in-law who loved, absolutely (laughs) loved his uh, son-in-law, comes along and like, Mildred, you look different. And I've always wondered, in terms of, like, promotion with Inspector, you know, now that number nine and number ten or whoever it was is dead, does, like, number, you know, the next one below him automatically move into that chair? Like, number eleven, you are now number ten. Well, that's what I was thinking, because um, there wasn't Kronstein number five, and then this one, there was also a number five, so... I'm thinking, do they just get replaced? And we've met number one, two, three, and five. Who's number four? Number four. Never met number four. The bastard child of Spectre. <laughs> or maybe, maybe, maybe it was a very beloved agent, and they've retired number four. Like, oh, <laughs> out of respect. That was Doctor No. Like, oh, Doctor No's dead. We love him so much. Let's retire number he four. He probably actually was number four, Doctor No. <laughs> Ben, you did say, like, they, they get to move into the next chair. Like, if you mean that literally, I'm really hoping that number 11 or whatever is asking for that chair to be steam cleaned first. Because it's got, like, his dead, burnt guts all over it. There's just, a bit of poo on there. I like the idea of, uh, like, Largo's birthday party or something. Musical chairs in the Spectre office and whoever 
gets the wrong chair, gets sucked into it, and gets electrocuted. Expect a musical chair. Do they get sick of being called by numbers? Like, my name is Largo, not number two. I'm sick of being called number two. Especially, uh, did you, and again, I never noticed this until I watched it uh, just before we recorded this, but the first thing he says to Largo when he comes to sit down, number two, is like, is there a second part to that joke? Stand up, number one. Sit down, number two. (laughs) It's uh, kind of, a bit like uh, James Bond. It's like Top tells everyone his name is James Bond. And Lago tells everyone his name is Emilio Lago. So why do they even bother with the numbers? And and when you apply, like, do they have like apl- internal applications, like a um, community board with inspector? Like applications open for number three. You can only apply if you have the following credentials. <laughs> like, how many numbers are there? Yes. Oh, number 736. Oh, I'll get to number 600 one day. The Spectre intern. Yeah. <laughs> Make me a cup of tea. I'm number oh, 812. I'm one spot ahead of you, 811. There's another thing that uh, I think you mentioned, Ben, about how, you know, we're sitting around our evil boardroom table and stuff. And I think the Bond movies are too often unfairly stereotyped as being like these evil plans for world domination when for the most part there's a little bit of a cartoonish to the movies but especially with these terrence young movies like you can take them pretty seriously but this scene is that one scene that i love where you get a little bit of that absurdity to the villains (laughs) because it is like yes we extorted you know this guy for 300 million dollars and then they're like unfortunately we only got 40 billion from this guy (laughs) we expected 30 300 million that was only a fraction of what we expected like their expectations are so high and they have such disappointment unfortunately we only killed 70 people this past weekend it's it's a a bad business plan because all the money they get just goes in the money's going nowhere it's just a never-ending loop of getting money they just want something to do and and why when and I understand the reason why Blofeld's face is covered because, oh, we can't have that reveal just yet. But, like, do they get sick of not being able to see his face? Like, they're all looking up at this, like, glass box and, oh, I just see some guy patting a cat. Like, what if the real Blofeld is, like, tired that day? That could be anyone. They can't see his face. What they don't realize is that the real Blofeld is gone and Professor Dent has assumed that identity (laughs) after taking his own death. Yeah, the good twist would be the wizard... Well, the man behind them then like, <laughs> out pops this tiny old man or something who's dishevelled and can barely walk. Wizard of Oz reference? Wow. Changes. Pay no attention <laughs> to that man stroking the cat. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the cat is Blofeld and the man is just an electronic puppet. Yeah, the whole time. It's like the cat is the evil mastermind of Spectre. Yeah. But... <laughs> the guy isn't even a real guy. Number two, sit down and get me a bowl of milk. I mean, to update me on what you did. <laughs> My name is Pussy Galore. <laughs> Literally. But the one bit that I was, I'm still waiting to this point to get resolution to is he comes into the office, Money Penny's office, puts the hat on the on the what do you call it coat hanger, comes back after he gets the mission, says, "Oh, my hat's gone." <laughs> And I'm thinking throughout the film, oh, when's the, when's the callback to the hat going to happen? Um, who's got his hat? And it's like, never mentioned ever again. So who took his hat? That's the most random thing in any film, of any Bond film at all. Like, what happened to Bond's hat? That needs to be the next mission. Kevin McClory stole it. 
<laughs> we get to Bond being rescued, you know, at the end by Felix and everybody. He's in the helicopter. He's like, tell them the bombs are on their way to Miami. Hold on, hold on. Lost and found it in my six called. They found your house. <laughs> <laughs> but am I the only one who picked up on that? Like, that was so random. I did pick up on that, yeah. Mm. I was like, where did the hat go? What? The biggest Bond mystery ever. <laughs> who, who wrote that? Like, was there a deleted scene? Because it's, it's the most pointless thing ever. There's nothing to it. Like, why is that scene there? Because Kevin McClory's a bastard. <laughs> that was his one contribution. You must put this stolen hat scene in there. <laughs> yes, we must make people discuss well, this scene for 40 years. Quite... It's like Han and Greedo, who shot first? Where is James quite... Bond's hat? Um, if you look at the trivia for Thunderbolt, this is the last time Bond wears a hat in any film <laughs> other than the <laughs> opening of... On a Majesty's Secret Service gun barrel. So I love that after his hat was stolen, he just refuses to wear hats from now on. <laughs> was there like a scene right at the end of Thunderball when all the double O's are called into the big boardroom again and they have they bring up the giant map. It's like Bond's hat was last seen here in M's office. <laughs> Vargas. We're going to talk about Vargas oh, now. Vargas. We know Vargas has to be hired by Largo because Blofeld would never go near that man. <laughs> Largo is just... such a, he's such a dick to Vargas. <laughs> you don't well, agree. I, I have to what do you here. do, Vargas? <laughs> Anybody oh, Vargas? Good, if you watch the movie, go on to Wikipedia and read the write-up of Vargas's character. Yes. Uh, let me pull it up here. This is uh, Philip Locke as Vargas, Largo's personal assistant and henchman who abstains from alcohol, <laughs> smoking, and sexual intercourse, emphasizing <laughs> his devotion as a killer. So, <laughs> what? From sexual intercourse emphasizes how devoted he Bond's is to... Bond's a killer? <laughs> yeah. Bond is the exact opposite. Bond is... all. Op- Bonds on everything but crack cocaine, and it makes them more cold-blooded. So eight-year-olds are are devoted killers, are they? They don't smoke, they don't drink, and they don't have sex. They're fucking eight-year-olds, eh? Why does that, like, Wikipedia, why does this emphasize his devotion as a killer? (laughs) (laughs) You abstain from sexual intercourse. Who wrote that? Jesus. Is Vargas the worst henchman ever? Because I was thinking he could well be. Most forgettable henchman ever. We just put together a collection of memes with Vargas's clueless expression throughout this movie because the man who plays Vargas looks like they kidnapped him and wiped his memory, and the whole time he's just trying to think, where am I? How did I get here? Yeah. Bond walks in, and then he rewinds his tape recorder to find out somebody's in his room. I want to have Felix show up at the door, and he punches Felix in the stomach. <laughs> We're almost saying 007. Hello, double <laughs> boom. Yeah, but then he scalds the guy in the shower. What's his name? Quintus or something? Um, How hot is that water uh, in the Bahamas Hotel? I know, like, that's a very quickly kicking in hot water heater. But just... he scalds the guy, and he doesn't even knock him out because he's like, Felix, you were about to say 007. And then he picks the guy up a second later. Like, Bond, you just said 007. <laughs> oh, shit. You just punched Felix for no reason. I love that. Well, well, it wasn't Cesspool Linda. So we and we didn't know, know it was Bond. Felix at the point. We thought it was just a random sexy glasses man. Yeah. I love the way they, like, panned across with the footsteps on the tape as if it was yes. someone. And those footsteps were louder than Bond in the big open hallway there. Um, 
but uh, that's great. The like, how did he know? Like, what if it was Domino or Paula in the shower and <laughs> scolds them? Um, <laughs> Those footsteps sound like the footsteps of a man. I'm gonna scold them. <laughs> I, lo- I love the bit that when he he gets there and he's letting him go, and it's like you're gonna shoot me in the back, and then he leaves, and then we get like Mister Super, the angriest I've ever heard James Bond slash Sean Connery ever. Now move! <laughs> I wish I wish this was another case of Dent and Bond actually did shoot him. That would be a great end to the scene. But uh, the 007 thing confuses me because isn't that his code name? Wouldn't it be James Bond that he doesn't want people to say? Oh, he's happy to tell everyone that. <laughs> it's not my name's Seven, 007. It's my name's Bond, James Bond. Yeah, like, isn't that what 007 is for? Yeah, and there's no logic to why he's punching him in the stomach. Maybe it's just like... <laughs> Felix has been, like, a real downer since he came out of rehab, and Bond's like, you've just been intolerable since you've been <laughs> he, sober. He no, up. it's because he I slept with Dink. a bad breakup with Dink. He slept with Dink. That's the Dink. <laughs> yeah, he's come off a bad breakup. <laughs> I've been waiting to do that for years. But you're yeah, right, what though, about that scene? Kind of the... <laughs> that one's Dink. <laughs> really oh, goodness. It's followed up by Bond really laying out everything that's been going on to Domino. He finds her again in the ocean. And... <laughs> Does he find her in the ocean? <laughs> <laughs> Bond and Domino make sweet bubbles together in the ocean. <laughs> and can I just point out, just for everybody thinking at it, not the easiest thing to do in the world. There we go. I'll just leave it what, at that. Making bubbles? or Well, making bubbles underwater. Uh... <laughs> Ben, please do not elaborate. Our listeners don't need a visual of you. I, I didn't. I didn't say it was me. <laughs> well, I'll change it. I'll change wow, it. that was, was awkward. You're like, by the way, you should just say, not that easy to do. Okay. <laughs> I just went <laughs> a couple times. Had success once or twice. It wasn't that fun. How is it we're not touching on the mask this guy's wearing? I wrote in my notes that we have a germaphobe assassin only so the Bond <laughs> could hide his whiteness later on. Like, this is the laziest bit of filmmaking ever. They're like, we need Bond to pose as this Japanese guy. Oh, but he hasn't gone through his Japanese procedure yet. Okay, well, <laughs> let's have the assassin wearing a mask over his face, like a germ mask, as if he's in the middle of a SARS scare or something, or West Nile virus. <laughs> well, it, it why is, is so this, random. Where is the, where is the backstory ninja. of why this guy put his, like, we're going to send you to kill a Scottish man. It's like, I don't want to catch Scottish. I'm going to put on this mask. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's just instantly likable. I, for me, not quite at the quarrel slash Karen uh, level, but after having sex, 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 uh, what's his name? Seth Linda. He's having sex. <laughs> what? <laughs> he's having sex, sex, sex. Like how many I other women? I was trying to remember. <laughs> what is it about Seth Linda that makes Noah have Tourette's with the word sex? Like, there's some weird association <laughs> you haven't talked about yet. He has um, sex, sex, sex. After, <laughs> after <laughs> Seth Linda. And Rick Nutter, um, it was about time we got back to some good Bond allies. So to have Tiger Tanaka on here, um, 
and I'm sorry for always pronouncing it Tiger Tanaka. Um, Tanaka son. Yeah, it's just I love the Bond lies always, and he lives. So I am to cry for this episode. Bond likes Saki at uh, 98.4 Fahrenheit. I'm not I sure love how any... he's quick to say that. Like, <laughs> no, no, I like Saki. Mm, 98.4, perfect temperature. <laughs> how does he know it's 98.4? Fucking what? <laughs> is that with his safe cracker that we just... He's got a Saki temperature gauge <laughs> built in? If Bond can identify the temperature of Saki, but he can't remember that he likes it shaken, not stirred. <laughs> What's wrong with Bond in this movie? He's beaten. Yes, like oh god, I, I like the fact that um, we get Tiger Tanaka being slightly racist for a European. You're very well cultivated. <laughs> like, what's what's wrong with that? Like the French are very, you know, like know their stuff and they're from Europe. This is kind of jumping ahead, but I love the line. Um, Ooh, like Miss Money Penny, perhaps. Um, <laughs> yeah, like he knows we have our two bombs. And why is he not bringing up Sylvia Trench? Why is he like, you should go back to that nice Trench girl? <laughs> you didn't treat she didn't her even attend my, She didn't even attend my funeral, the bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where was Sylvia? Um, she's moved Off on. Dink. <laughs> Ooh, hello. Um, Everyone's with Dink. Uh, we go to uh, the the what would you call it, the slideshow with the Ningpo ship and the Amar girls. Kissy Suzuki, um, and then forget all this spy business. Let's um, with twenty women, Japanese women, and we get the line: <clears throat> In Japan, men always come first; women come second. <laughs> I might I just retire might here. Tire here. <laughs> <laughs> and we get what what it's probably a good five or ten minute scene of them having a bath and what was uh you mentioned it <laughs> Japanese proverbs say bird never make mess bear tree. <laughs> oh <laughs> Is that that's the only reference to Sean Connery's giant massive chest hair that we will ever get in this franchise. <laughs> Like, Roald Dahl was very fascinated by Connery's chest hair that he wrote a Japanese proverb around it. <laughs> his delivery of the line is so deadpan and he's so not... Japanese proverbs say, Burden never make a nest in their tree. Dude, I didn't know Sean Connery was Russian. <laughs> I wouldn't call it racist, but he puts on a slight Japanese accent. When he says Japanese proper. Oh, it's, it's a whole sequence with this that's racist and sexist and oh, doesn't it does not up. age well. I, I actually enjoyed the scene because you get the uh, Bond and Tyler not henchmen chasing, but it's just so many absurdities in here. And there's a Spectre mentioned. Tiger obviously knows who um, Spectre is. Bond picks the girl, and Tiger says, She is very sexy fool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is sexy fool? I wrote that down with a question. I'm like, sexy fool? <laughs> Classic Tiger line. And have the girl switching out, and Aki coming in. Which, this is an absurd scene, because then, as Colin alluded to earlier, suddenly Aki is just in love with him, and it's like they're long-lost loves, like... This is kind of absurd, but I've covered a lot here. 
Like, I just, I, this actually made, you know, the saying that made me become a feminist, but it made me want to go to Japan. I want to sit in a bath and get bathed by Japanese women. Like, that's, that's amazing. Sign me up for that, too. Like, yes, please. I wonder why Tiger says, like, this is your first civilized bath. Like, what makes it civilized? The fact you have the entire population of Japan in there? Like, that, that's Racist a civilization Tanaka. in there. Racist Tanaka. Yeah. Yeah, what uh, about those weird box things from Thunderball that Bond uh, yeah. him in? The- that's not civilized, Noah. That's British. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised you say you want to do this, though, because usually when I'm taking a bath, like, I'm cleaning parts that I don't want a woman sniffing. So I don't know why this is like Bond's like, hmm, come in. <laughs> where, where are you washing? <laughs> well, I hope you wash those parts when you bathe or you just leave them. You're like, I don't want to touch that. I can't I, remember I, the I last use... time I ever had a bath. To be honest, I use a bath as a form of relaxation, not to wash a shower. So like, you're sitting there in your own, like, stink. Like... <laughs> You're sitting in a bath, you've just, you're dirty, you get into it, the water's not going anywhere, you're sitting in the same shit that was just on you three <laughs> seconds ago. Although this bath is like a hundred I just got an image of Ben, though, saying, when I go into a bath, I want to relax, he's got, like, candles everywhere. <laughs> hey, hey, don't laugh, I do it. I'm telling you, I, you can, I, I swear I do it. Friday night, I have a bath, I light candles, and I lay there listening to relaxing music. It is amazing. You're like I'm not afraid to nest that. in your chest <laughs> No one's sitting here right now just gasping, sex, sex, sex. <laughs> Somebody's going to edit this to sex, sex, sex. I wash parts and I don't want a woman to sniff. Bed in the bath. Wow. Um, that's what Japanese proverbs do to you. <laughs> this, this is, is what happens when you catch theme. Scottish. Right. <laughs> yeah, they're all going to catch Scottish from being in the bath with Connery's stink. <laughs> <laughs> We see him, quote, resign, but of course we then uh, soon find out that Money Penny just basically wrote down to take a two-week leave of absence. Um, I love when Bond comes out and he's, you know, take a memo, please, Um, and yes, resignation. Um, and then we cut to a She's scene. She's not even his assistant. Yes, I know. <laughs> she just said, no, I've got things to do. Like, she doesn't look very busy half the time, Money Penny. She's always just ready to, like, flirt. But shouldn't she be doing some filing or something? Like... Shouldn't she be fixing that intercom <laughs> yeah. that's always broken? <laughs> Where's Mary Goodnight for this? Because in the book, yeah. Bont has his own assistant. So <laughs> he should be asking her to do some of this work. Like, she's getting a free ride. I, I, I'm, I'm guessing Bont... <laughs> assistant probably um, just gets jealous of Money Penny too. Like he's always off flirting with her, not along with his assistant. Um, but then we get into this scene. I don't even barely need to say uh, what the best part about this scene is. Bond cleaning out his desk. <laughs> yeah. We hear it underneath the mango tree. Yes, Laser being mango tree. How is this not the greatest Bond film ever? Best film ever. <laughs> It's so strange, though, because, like, every fan loves watching this because it's all those throwbacks. And it is the last time we'll have throwbacks to the past movies. Until what movie, Colin? Until what movie? 
Uh, I'm not going to mention it. I'm done with that. (laughs) Eight episodes in, we need to draw the line somewhere. (laughs) But you have to ask yourself, Bond has Honey's belt and knife. Okay, maybe it was like a keepsake from their their two days together. When did he pocket Red Grant's watch? (laughs) Like, I don't remember seeing him pick his pocket after this thing was done. (laughs) He just has it for no reason. He's a grave digger. (laughs) Pretty much. What other things could he have pulled out, too? Like, could he have pulled out that that brick of gold that he won in the golf (laughs) match with Goldfinger? I think, yeah, there's a lot of missed opportunities here, like Quarrel's Ashes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what else? I'm trying to think. The eye Um, patch. Uh, Yeah, the golf ball from golf. His Japanese yellow face apparatuses. (laughs) Yeah, his eyebrows. Blowfield's cat. Uh, Bunt is amazing. The actress who sadly died four days after this film was released. Um, she was supposed to be back for Diamonds Are Forever, and that's such a shame, I think, because she's really a good actress. But um, they talk about the allergies, and he says, what allergies? And she goes, all of them. And yeah. then I was thinking, all allergies uh, in the world, all of them. Yeah, then I was thinking, so do they have a cure for celiac then? There <laughs> <laughs> you go, Colin, they're helping you out. <laughs> I could go brainwash to, to commit biological terror as well. <laughs> you like gluten. Gluten <laughs> is your friend. Love gluten. Also, I love how abrupt and short she sounds with everything. It's like, I'll be happy to get my feet on the ground. Not ground, ice. Like, <laughs> yeah. like the female Schwarzenegger in this movie. It's amazing. I also like the fact that she's essentially claiming that vegetarianism is an allergy. The ability, inability <laughs> to eat meat. <laughs> we can't eat meat. I think they should have used the name Shatterhand for his identity, which is the name that he goes by in the only Live Twice book as Dr. Shatterhand. I think that would have been better than Blowsharp. But anyway, just shouldn't a nod that, Shouldn't the that book. be Dr. No Shatterhand? Like, shouldn't that be his... Dr. No Shatterhand? Or may, may, maybe, like, like as... Because he has his hands that can... Never mind. He's uh, making Dr. a joke about his hands. Isn't it funny the man's disabled? <laughs> 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 yes. All right. We've touched on racism now. I'm bagging out people with uh, disabilities, okay? So... Move on, Noah. Would be funny if that was. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm black on the actor's name now. Yes, that guy. Uh, oh, Doctor No! Come on. You mean Doctor No from Doctor No? <laughs> yeah, no, Doctor No from Die yeah. Another Day. Oh, what's his name? Was the guy from Doctor No? He played the villain. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor No. Oh, Do you ask the actor's name? Yes. Oh, I thought you were talking about, like, as in Dr. No, as in that's his name in the movie, is Dr. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm blanking on his name. The actor's Joseph name Weisman. is Joseph Wiseman. Joseph Wiseman. Yeah. <laughs> the joke that was worth been. five minutes of our time. Ladies yeah, and gentlemen, joke... welcome to the most in-depth and uh, intelligent James Bond podcast on the internet. The joke would have been, imagine if Joseph Wiseman really had claw hands, but it fell flat when I couldn't even remember his freaking name. Yeah. Moving on. Oh. Thanks. Right. Uh, sincere apology to Joseph Wiseman and his family. Um, sincere apology to people listening to this. Anyway, so we, we tick off a couple of uh, notches on the Bond kiss kiss count here. Um, we get Bond looking up his kilt <laughs> at the number eight. Um, and he's escaped from the, the, the room. Like, 
Bond gets electrocuted, um, and then he manages to get his say. Uh, I've written here, horny Bond, sexy saxophone, because uh, <laughs> we get. <laughs> um, and all um, poor old Ruby has an allergy to chickens, um, but he manages to. Put his cock in her. Oh, no, I couldn't oh. resist. Oh, sorry, sorry. Well, it's a chicken. She's almost secured. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like the, uh, the whole... <laughs> no, can you tell us more about that Joseph Wiseman guy? <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. kid's is called a bad joke. Um... <laughs> I have seven kills. I have six. Oh, damn it! <laughs> I have nine. <laughs> nine? <laughs> did you write down I... what they were from this time, Noah? Yeah, I did count them. Tell okay, us. No, I have, I, I have eight, sorry. Okay. All right, I've got two in the pre-titles. I counted okay, them as kills. Two? Hold on. I had one. We see him basically drown them, but the last we see of them, they're still breathing, and he covers one with a canoe, and the other one he traps in a net. I don't think that counts as dead. I think they're deaths. I think that it's implied that they... I think there the was end. one... I had one pre-title, and I can't remember which one it was, but I think one was definitely dead, and one I was like, oh, okay, maybe he's not dead. But how is he dead? He threw a guy into a net, and the other one, he threw a canoe on top of him, but he was still inside the canoe, like... There's no reason to believe they died from those when they didn't die from being drowned in the water. I don't know. I think it's implied that they're dead. <laughs> I love how we're arguing. Like, Colin's arguing none. I'm arguing, well, one of them died. And I was like, well, they both died. I don't know how either of those things are kills. Like, he, he throws a canoe on top because of a he guy. Not even, he, he trapped that's He's trapped. The guy throws it off a second later. <laughs> the trap, trap, kill, kill count. Um... <laughs> All right, well, we'll revisit that one. Who else have you got there, Noah? I've got two at the ski chase. Yes. Yes. I've got two at the bells. Right? Two at the bells. Yeah. Two at the bells. I mean, I would assume they were knocked out. I don't think... Oh, hang on. No, the bells, they weren't dead, weren't they? Because when the Blowfield and that came in, weren't they awake then? Like, doesn't Blowfield come in and they wake up? Yeah, that's one of those scenes I was talking about where... You think they're dead, and then all of a sudden he comes through, and there they are. Because I remembered that one, and well, I was. I've got one kill for this film, <laughs> 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 and two at the climax. Yeah, I got. Two. I got three at the climax. There's three what, times what that he fires his gun, and it shows a person taking a bullet. Actually, I would probably have three too, because again, I didn't write the individual. I think the only difference that Colin and I have is that I marked somebody dying pre-title. And all the other yeah. ones that Colin has obviously got, I've gotten two. So I'm taking that as a win for me. All right, so so you've got six. Noah has s- nine. Well, eight, but I still think the pre-titles. All right, well, <laughs> God, here we go And being trapped under a canoe will cause them to suffocate, maybe. Yeah, but he choked. He was half dead. He only just got up to get to him, and then that was the final finishing blow. It, well, it's not a blow. He didn't even take the hit. It just it went on top of him. There's there's not even a clarified moment where the canoe even hits him. Oh god, this is the epitome of geekness. He was dead. He wasn't dead. It's a movie. Ah, oh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> look, I am again going to be Switzerland here and be neutral. Um, well, you had one. So, which one did you think died? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is the man with a journalism degree who doesn't make notes. <laughs> I thought you were learning shorthand. Hey, don't bring up that S word. Um, uh, but which one died? The canoe one or the other one? Neither. You don't kill a man by throwing a net over him or throwing him in a canoe. He already drowned him and that was his last final hurrah. This never he happened on the other episode. He fought him for another two and a half minutes. I mean, he wasn't that dead from drowning. I don't think the canoe's going to finish him off. All right. I think, okay. So I think we've all come to agree to the deaths later in the film. We're just yeah. debating the first one. So take away the two. So we've got what? What? F- uh, we've got six in the whole movie without the deaths yeah. at the beginning. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So maybe then we do need to go on the middle ground here that... Colin's debating there's none. Noah's debating there's two. Middle ground is one. Seven. I'm correct. Yeah. Middle ground, the only guy who has no argument to make is the one who's right. <laughs> I think the water guy at least w- died. That was his last Yeah, hurrah. yep, I agree. I agree. Yep, 100%. Noah's right. <laughs> oh, I am going to bring this back in every future movie. Every time Bond blinks at a man, it's gonna be like, that's the death blow right there. I know we see him breathing, hey. but he probably... Last breath, right hey, there. But by that logic, we shouldn't count the three blind mice because he didn't technically knock them off the cliff. Well, I said that, but no one listened to me. We knew they died. He, he didn't knock them off a cliff and they fell into a net. I mean, there's a difference. <laughs> they they could have been die. badly. They, came back every film. <laughs> they could have been badly burnt. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we going with? I don't know what to do here. Uh, all right. So your vote is six. No, is what? What's your vote? Eight. Eight. I want to vote for seven. Tell me how both of them died. <laughs> All right, okay. We've got to go for the average here. All right, so hang on. I think this is the fairest way. So if we add six plus seven plus eight, uh, if I can hit the right button, um, that, that doesn't want to work. God damn it. Numlock went off. <laughs> Divide by three. It's seven! I'm you right. You need to do a calculator to figure out. <laughs> to figure out. I have a journalism <laughs> degree, not a math. <laughs> I have a journalism degree, not a math degree. Right. How about we say this? We'll, we'll do what we did for I think Thunderball. We'll say seven, and then if people are listening and they've watched it, um, they can write in if they've got a better explanation for it. All right. Oh my god, I was right. Uh. <laughs> Anybody out there has died from canoe? Let us know. <laughs> 